0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Revolution and Ideology. This obviously is a special uh, episode that we're doing live to discuss some current events. We're talking about the S-word, strikes and sports, and focusing specifically on the NBA and what's going on there. So, Jared, why is this even uh, on our radar?
1: Um, so, uh, essentially, uh, in addition to talking about revolution, ideology, history, deconstructing myth narrative, uh, one of my other like slide hobbies is, um, a hoops geek, like a big one for my whole life. And, uh, and yeah, I, I was one of the few people apparently watching the bubble playoffs and all that other good stuff. Um, and, uh, this is where, uh, two of my passions intersect, uh, basketball and social justice and so, uh, needless to say, this 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 was big. I mean, this is this is a major event. I think people are kind of underselling it, and we want to talk about why. Um, so uh, real quickly, um, I guess I'll dig in, and 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 now rather than my historical knowledge, I'll probably draw a little bit on my MBA knowledge first. Like, why is this important? Um, in terms of like the Milwaukee Bucks specifically, well, where did this most recent event happen, Nick? Wisconsin. Yeah, Kenosha, Wisconsin. I hear, I don't know Wisconsin that well, um, but I hear it's only, whatever, 30 to 40 minutes outside of Milwaukee. And so needless to say, for the Milwaukee Bucks, again, fear the deer, much respect. It was necessary for them to um make their voices heard um in support of their local community um and 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 when we say the event we're assuming our audience already knows the event uh what was it now 3 days ago uh man shot seven times in the back um going to his car car full of children um the police again just completely out of control in this situation uh no No knowledge on how to de-escalate a situation, only escalation. This, of course, led to protests. Those protests were then attended by white nationalists, and one of those white nationalists, um, a a, a kid, I suppose, is what they're calling him, but he's 17 years old. He He knows what he's doing. Uh, shows up with an AR-15 and executes two people. Um, and uh, and uh, that's I mean that's the story. And need, needless to say, the community of Milwaukee is reeling. And it's not just the community of Milwaukee; it is all around the state. It's all around the nation. I mean, I mean, dating back to George Floyd, dating back even further to you know Mike Brown. I mean, we the list goes on. Our, our listeners probably don't necessarily need me to list every. Uh, person um, who was executed by the police uh, over the last... I mean, shoot. Now now the history yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, now the history guy in me wants to... Hundreds of yeah, years? Dating yeah. back to 1619. Like, no, right. seriously. This is why it's on our radar. Um, back to why it's important that it was the Milwaukee Bucks that take a stand. Not only is it local... But this is what I don't see any of the countless media outlets talking about regarding the Bucs. Um, they did this on their own. They didn't talk to the other teams, and I know some of the other teams were upset that they didn't know that this that they weren't going to play that game uh, at this point. Was it two days ago, three mm-hmm. days ago? Anyway, they didn't know they were going to show up. They didn't even tell their opponents the Orlando Magic, but at least Orlando supported them once they found out what it was about. Um, the reason it's important it's them is because they're sacrificing what they can. We'll get to this later on today when we talk about like why this mm-hmm. matters more. But like they were actually sacrificing a great deal. Not sacrificing on the level that I think a lot of people want them to sacrifice as wealthy a- athletes. But let me be blunt. As a basketball stan, um, the Milwaukee Bucks were far and away the best team in the NBA this year. As some might say the Lakers. We'll get to LeBron here in a little bit. But regardless, they had the best chance in my personal opinion to win an NBA championship, something they have not done a lot of in their in their uh, history and something none of the players, to the best of my knowledge, on their team have done. Maybe there's some role players that have. I don't know. But regardless, so for these men, their whole dream, since they were children, likely, that played basketball was to win an NBA title. And this was their best opportunity to do so. And really, without, it seems, a whole lot of second thought, they said, no. There's something bigger going on than our personal individual dreams and we're willing to put those in jeopardy. And so that's why there's a lot of respect for the Milwaukee Bucks in this specific case. Third, um, they have a player on the roster um, that dealt with police brutality himself. Sterling Brown is a guard for the Bucks. He is, I don't believe he's the starting guard. It's Middleton and so and so on and so forth, but here, and I'm not going to read, I, I always like to cite my sources as a historian, we're going to read from the Sports Rush, an article by uh, uh, Ahuya Shakar, uh, best pronunciation I can come up with. On the 26th of January, 2018, Sterling Brown was apprehended by eight policemen for parking in a handicap spot. For an offense that cost two hundred dollar fine, and at worst the car being towed, Brown was hounded by eight members of law enforcement. They knocked Brown to his knees and tased him just for having a target with bullet holes in his car. The police officers at the scene took him to the police station nearby, looking for uh, booking him for a misdemeanor they this uh, this they did without proper uh, properly mirandizing him his fifth amendment. Um, as would later transpire in court proceedings. They also searched uh, They also searched his car without a warrant or even probable cause. Um, and then we get further into the story. It's actually kind of interesting. Sterling Brown suffered quite a few puncture wounds on his back, cuts to his face, and bruises. The prejudice against Brown did not stop there. One of the arresting officers at the scene took to social media to ridicule him. That officer, Eric Andrade, uh, was also uh, found to have posted racist memes on Kevin Durant. Uh, of course, just picking out random players, I guess. I don't know. The Milwaukee PD did not initially take any substantial action. The maximum penalty they handed out for the offending officers was a 15-day suspension without pay. Eventually, however, they had to give in to public pressure and fire Andrade. Um, uh, Sterling Brown and his team of lawyers are obviously incensed by the behavior of the police department. They believe the action taken by them on their officers to be too little. Brown is in litigation right now. Uh, the city uh, tried to give him $400,000 to like shut up and stop. Um, he has not accepted that, and uh the proceedings are ongoing but that's reason number three they have a player on the roster that has um has honestly let's has had his life on the line anytime uh, a black man is stopped by eight police officers things can go awry and other versions of the story have it to where he's tased he was tased and the officer also had his hand on the gun uh Thank God they chose a taser rather than the gun in this specific case. Um, That seems to be increasingly rare. Anyway, any other thoughts on why the Milwaukee Bucks, Nick? Like, uh, again, for our listeners that aren't Hoops fans, sorry, but like, we do think it's important that this specific team is the one that's leading the charge now.
0: I mean, I think you nailed the main reasons that it hits close to home for them and that they would be the first ones motivated to take action. It's local for them, I think, is the biggest thing for sure. It's their state, right? It's their hometown.
1: Uh, Needless to say, um, the rest of the league uh, is now kind of following suit. Um, What is the current status of, of what's going on in not just the NBA, these other sports leagues? You tell me. Okay. I I guess I'm, I'm going to keep going here. Um well, these other these other leagues are also um protesting is the term we're going to use right now. Nick's going to talk about boycott strike the the terminology here in a little bit. But for now, we'll call it a protest. Obviously, the rest of the NBA followed suit. Um, this has been an ongoing discussion in the NBA, even before they went into the quote-unquote Orlando bubble. Um, one of the, the the things that they had to negotiate with the league wasn't just playing amid, of course, the current COVID pandemic, but was playing while so many people in the communities that many of these men were raised in are, are reeling because of the constant uh, executions of members of their community by the police in the streets. Um and one of the things that the NBA, being arguably one of the more progressive uh, uh, corporations of sports leagues, um in the United States, agreed is that they can have social justice messages. Um, on their backs, uh, obviously BLM is posted everywhere. They can wear it on the T-shirts uh, during warm-ups, etc. So the NBA is being, is or attempting to be super accommodating. We could argue that it, it's in their best interest financially, and that's why they're doing it. I, I don't know that we need to get in that debate right this second. They Although already, I
0: said you said they were arguably probably the most progressive in this arena, I don't think it's even an argument really.
1: I mean, there's some soccer leagues around the world that are also doing things, okay. but, but, but yeah. I was um, thinking. Definitely not the NFL. Or, yeah, I was yeah, thinking
0: like, like NHL, NFL, MLB. Like, NASCAR, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. like no, 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 no.
1: No, they're up there. Okay, so anyway, right now, um, negotiations are taking place with the players and among the players who are actually, some are not in agreement, not because they don't necessarily uh, agree with the cause, but because... They are trying to protect the interests of um, lesser known players that are not as wealthy as we like to think and who really do need these, these game checks to actually kind of survive. There are, believe it or not, there are professional athletes not making um, millions upon millions of dollars. So a lot of these NBA players are looking to support them and make sure that they can still be paid or compensated, and that's why they have to play. Um, of course, there's others on the other side that are arguing, essentially, like like LeBron, of course, being the most famous, that, that the cause is bigger than all of this. Um, Those negotiations we'll get into a little bit later, but regardless, the NBA is on a current hiatus. Following suit impressively um, was actually uh, uh, Major League Baseball. I just didn't see it coming based on their fan demographic or their traditional fan demographic, To, if I'm honest with you. I just thought they might think that's too risky. I don't know that the entire league is doing it, but individual teams are. The Colorado Rockies uh, representing the hometown. Love them. Um, the Boston Red Sox, big name there. Uh, who else did we see? Baltimore Orioles. I, I, I mean, go back to 2015. They had Baltimore. That, that's mm-hmm. that's a no brainer. So there are certain baseball teams that are getting on board. Impressively, the NHL. I didn't see it coming again, based on like demogra- demographics. Really, I just didn't see it happening. But uh, here, we've got a shout out, and I am not a hockey fan in this case. I'm a hoops nerd, but I know very little about hockey. So I was introduced to Evander Kane recently, uh, looks like of the San Jose Sharks, and he is leading the charge to get um, inclusivity, social justice work into the NHL. And, uh, and it seems to be working as uh, NHL has postponed at least a couple days worth of playoff games. Um, I know Major League Soccer and the WNBA are also on board. Uh, We cannot forget that it was the Detroit Lions of the NFL that decided they weren't going to practice, I think, almost the day after the Mm -hmm. murders, I believe. I think so, yeah. Um, And we want to talk a little bit more about why the NFL needs to probably get on board um, in a little bit. But I think that's kind of like the current status. Uh, Any other thoughts on that, Nick?
0: No, I think it's been interesting to watch the other sports leagues sort of I mean, the other teams follow suit of the Bucks, and then the other sports leagues follow the what the NBA players are doing. Like you said, the NHL was kind of shocking; that kind of came out of nowhere. Right. Um, I do. I think there are a lot of variables. Sort of like they were the last ones left, and like as like undeniably, I think the whitest league. Um, do, do you think they felt some pressure just to like we need to do this? Like we're the only one. Like we can't be the only ones playing.
1: I mean, I think there's definitely pressure there. It is most definitely, again, I mean, just say it. Yeah, it's the whitest league by far. Maybe not the whitest. Is NASCAR a league? I, I don't know. The PGA is probably up there. But here's the thing. When we talk about the NHL, we have to keep in mind, it's not like what we would consider like traditionally that. Like it's Canadian, European, Russian, et cetera. So it's actually... It is still diverse in that regard. Yeah. So we actually have to give the NHL some like just due credit there. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to bet that a lot of these international players – um are probably in shock at the state of the United States regarding <laughs> right. policing. Like this is what happens here. Like and exactly. so, I, I'm willing to yeah. bet that they also can kind of recognize what's happening. And and a lot of these European players likely know their own history in Europe, going back a little bit further. And what happens when you let um, regimes right. of enforcement go unchecked? Mm-hmm. So I especially think especially in a lot of the countries that NHL so,
0: players come from exactly
1: so lots of respect for the nhl there i also think one of
0: the interesting variables to consider is the fact that these leagues are all playing in a bubble so i'm not going to say it makes it easier for them to, to make this decision but it's just a whole different landscape that they're dealing with right now the fact that they're in the playoffs and they're in the bubble. And I I wonder how different this would be, or if it would be different at all, if they were just regular seasons and we weren't dealing with COVID and how much, what what kind of, how the dynamic might be different. I don't know the answer to that. It's just interesting to think about for sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, like I said, the NHL was a surprise. I don't expect anything from like some of the other bigger sports, like, you know, again, the PGA or NASCAR or anything like that. For uh, obvious reasons, for obvious reasons, I just, yeah, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, uh, as far as like protest in sports in general, like why, why does this matter? Why should we respect what these professional athletes are doing? And I want, and I do this amid the understanding, especially in today's culture that our society views them, it it hero, it, it turns them into heroes and legends and it lionizes them. That's acknowledged. But also there is resentment there that these are millionaires that aren't really sacrificing anything and blah, blah, blah. Their lives are like totally pampered and they can buy whatever they want. And, 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 and yes, many of us would probably trade places with them. It'd be nice to, to live uh, like, like King James for just a little bit. That, that is a true statement. But there's a massive but here that I think people don't like understand. Why, why does this matter? They have a platform.
0: No, that's exactly why it matters. And I think people oftentimes discount the importance of sports in our society because it's very, very easy to say, you know, these are just games. These are just men and women that are you know, putting a ball through a hoop or into a goal or hitting a ball out of the park or whatever the, the cliche is, right? And that it, it's not important in our society. We could survive without sports. But it provides very, very crucial functions in our society from socializing us into the norms of society to providing very important entertainment functions and so on. Like sports as an institution in American society and every other society that I'm aware of right now is incredibly important for the healthy operation of society. We think I teach a class called sport and society, where we go into like the details of sociology of sport. And we try to do a thought experiment of like what America would be like without sports. And like, I don't want to be like hyperbolic, but like America wouldn't be America without sports. Like that's how important it is. That's where we've gotten at least now in modern America. So when a social justice issue or a civil rights issue makes it into the discourse of sports, that's very, very significant. And when the players are willing to take action and use, like you said, this platform that they have, that is an incredibly significant statement that they can make. And I, like you said, we view like NBA players as like these pampered athletes that are all millionaires and they have these really easy lives, and that's true to an extent, That we have to recognize that the majority of them are still black men and black men that grew up in America. And so that identity is much more influential for them than their identity as an nba player
1: and are still harassed obviously the sterling, sterling brown example is is blatant by the cops but i mean uh, you and i have been to enough nba games and we know that a lot of the fans there are not uh black and they still get to hurl whatever types of yep. insults they like at those players uh there was a famous incident a few years back with russell westbrook everybody's favorite whipping boy uh, amazing player uh don't care about anyone's like personal feelings about him but like he is kind of a lightning rod for controversy. Well, he's being called literally the n-word over and over again by certain fans. I forget what city. What is it? Salt Lake City. Of course, of course, it was Salt Lake City. Why <laughs> wouldn't it be Salt Lake City? Sorry, Utah. Um, but yeah, like, uh, and and but he's the bad guy for st- defending up, defending right. himself, standing up for himself. Like, this is something that that you're subjected to when you put yourself. Like, yes, your life is good, but you're also like, you're. You're subject, like, just because you make a lot of money, should you be subject to this type of treatment as well? Like, absolutely not. I mean, no one should be, regardless of how much money you make. But I think that we
0: oftentimes, I don't say we, like, I mean the proverbial we, ignore the fact. We like to think that since they've achieved a certain status, like, class status. Economic status. Yes, yes. that somehow their status as black men or women or uh, people of color somehow that disappears it just goes away which clearly like that is not the case right race trumps class status for most people in America um, and so we think that well just because they're NBA players they must not ever experience racism but like your example with Westbrook like on the court he experienced racism mm-hmm. Sterling Brown parking his car in the parking lot experienced extreme police brutality and racism like just because these people become wealthy doesn't mean that automatically they stop experiencing racism in their lives so
1: well and without going like too far off the rails like I mean that whole the whole Donald Sterling incident from four or five years ago literally the owner of the Clippers is racist and arguing like he in a way owns these black men and exactly. that's echoing like clearly like his mentality is still in antebellum southern america in the 1800s like yeah, they, 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 they serve him yep and he is their master yeah so
0: um, that's why this is important right it's it, these men in this case using the platform that they have right to bring this to the people's attention and i, I know people complain like well why aren't they doing more in their communities? And I mean, they do, right? Like almost NBA, every NBA player has a foundation of some kind and donates to their community in some kind. You mentioned LeBron, right? He starts schools and like does all yeah, of these I, things and like... Like what do you want? For, yes, like, exactly. They are
1: dumping their money into these communities. Will, Will Barton in Baltimore. Evander Kane right here. I'm looking at he's NHL. But like this is the idea. George Hill of the Bucks as well. Like they're... This money is being funneled to the communities in need. Is it every dime they make? No, of course. They They also have to like, you know, they've earned some of, to, to, they've earned the right to keep some of what they've earned. Um, but holy geez, we're willing to apologize for like these massive corporations for donating a, a little, a few bucks here to charity, right. the Amazons or the Microsofts of the world. But NBA players are giving such a larger fraction um, to their causes, and no, it's still not enough to appease the the various political pundits around there. So once
0: it becomes to the point where they've used their monetary resources to try to make change, they've used themselves to try to make change, right? Go speaking in the community and spending time there and like all of these things and being an example for people of like, we made it, you can make it too. And like, they've exhausted all of these avenues the last thing that they are left with is their labor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they can use that to bring attention to certain issues that they deem to be important enough. And clearly in this case, they have deemed it to be important enough.
1: What about the uh, disgusting, usually, and I'll say it, conservative argument that you should keep your politics out of sports? Let's, 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 let's break that, that yes. idiocy down.
0: There is no such things there's no, I mean, I would argue that there's no such thing as an apolitical act, but there's no such thing as apolitical sports. Sports themselves are political. We sing the national anthem before the game. We, That is a
1: political act. We already know those of you that know, I mean, I'm willing to go back and research back when Kaepernick was it. we're going to come to Kaepernick here in a minute, but like this whole idea that the national anthem was not originally in sporting events. That was, that is a political act. That was to of course, help with military recruitment and to manufacture patriotism. Uh, like what does that, national anthem have to do what does patriotism have to do with hitting a ball or or scoring a goal or dunking like nothing absolutely nothing but not to mention
0: the further like integrations of military and sports and so on like the different branches of the military spend millions of dollars advertising with the nfl and mlb and so on and they pay like if you go to a sporting event and you see at the stadium right before the game or you're watching an NFL game on television and they on the field have a reunion between like a soldier who's just come back from war and their family and they're surprised that he's there. And like, the NBA, or I'm sorry, the military pays for that to happen. Right. This is all marketing. It's all propaganda. So for someone to say, like, keep your politics out of sports, no. there's no such thing. Politics are in sports. And what they're really saying is keep those kinds of politics that I disagree with out of sports. Correct. I'm fine with the pageantry and the patriotism and the, the overt nationalism in sports. Right. But I don't want to hear about your social issues. Yeah. That's it's what a, they're really saying. It's
1: a gross hypocrisy. But like, and, and here, like, to kind of like now move things forward... There's a rich history, at least in American sports and probably sports around the world, of, of sports like pushing, of course, social envelopes forward. Every kid in America learns about Jackie Robinson. It's the mm-hmm. one athlete, I well, Michael Jordan maybe or something like that. But but Jackie Robinson is an athlete like literally renowned the world over. But why is he renowned? Why is that story yeah. told? Well, he pushed the envelope. Mm-hmm. That's why. He pushed the envelope.
0: Yeah, he opened doors that had not been opened before.
1: Jesse Owens in 1936, Berlin, facing fascism in the face. Facing fascism in the face. Yeah, the 36
0: Olympics were highly highly modified by Hitler to demonstrate the elitism of the Aryan race and Jesse Owens goes in there and just destroys them
1: yeah I mean amazing
0: amazing so to think about like that's a perfect example of keep your politics out of sports literally him just running competing in the events was a political act just proving that a black man could absolutely destroy all of these Aryans and all of these events that's a political act It's a perfect example of sports as a political act. Just being there was a political act. Jackie
1: Robinson not just playing for the Dodgers, but being one of the best Dodgers ever. Exactly. And and, uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos in Mexico City in 1968 with the black gloves on, the act of defiance, like we will – here's the anthem, but this is a straight act of defiance, right, in Mexico City.
0: Yeah. Basically suggesting like – this country does not support us the way that it should. It doesn't have our best interests in mind. We are treated as second-class citizens. So we are going to stand here on this podium while the anthem is playing, but we are going to protest and demonstrate our protest in this way.
1: Right. Muhammad Ali uh, and his 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 is avoiding basically his protest against the 19 uh, 19 against the Vietnam War draft or the Vietnam War itself. Like yep. we now look back on these events and and in general in consensus have kind of made all of these individuals heroes for the most part unless you're like a wildly ignorant like person, whatever. But most of the time they're, they're commonly thought of in the American uh, lexicon as heroes. Now what makes Evander Kane, not a hero uh, and a villain or LeBron now, not a hero or a villain or uh, Giannis. uh, I mean, like I guess I just don't understand like how people don't understand the events they're living within any sort of historical context. No, I
0: think that that's the key, the historical context. I think people have a really hard time of, understanding things in the moment right history will make heroes out of these men potentially but there's some weird mental gymnastics that happen where we'll all like people will sit around and like i don't understand degrade lebron for speaking out or, or kaepernick is a perfect example of like how dare you kneel for the national anthem like kaepernick will be in the history books I mean yes. that's undeniable his, right?
1: his sacrifice will make him a historical figure and his his legacy is more than a, a Super Bowl ring that no one will remember in five years like who won the Super Bowl five years ago
0: yeah exactly
1: I don't know right uh, was that our Broncos it might have been close but anyway whatever it doesn't matter like yeah who but but everyone still remembers cap Mm-hmm. And, and even the commissioner of that league is having to get on board um, with, uh, you know, like recognizing what he did back then was a grave error and, yep. and cowering to um, these ultra-nationalist, like, again, these fans and and the executive of the country. Like, what a coward. Like yep. that's a coward. But anyway, um moving on. <laughs> like yeah, no, but still why protest in sports? It's not it's it's the platform. Yep. Like what else this is your platform. You've earned the right to have this platform be by being elite. By being elite at, oh, it's just a kid's game. Well, it's a kid's game that apparently is important enough for us to all watch and dump billions of dollars into. So in America, isn't that like the free market enterprise? Like you put your money where your mouth is? Well, that's what they're doing. So apparently that's still not good enough. But- They also
0: like could never win, right? If they didn't do anything, people would be calling them out for that. And since they did do something, people are calling them out for that. So there's nothing that they could do that would, you know, I mean, they, they can't win. And so like I was saying earlier- They're at a point, we're at a point in America where, you know, donating money and creating nonprofits and communities and being examples. And like, they're doing all of this charity work. That's, we've seen now that is not making change. I'm sure it's making like, there's iterations, right? But black... People are still being killed by the police in the streets. And right. so the players at this point can say, the money's not enough. I'll keep doing that. Building the schools is not enough. Being an example is not enough. All of these things that we do in the community to try to make change in the world is not enough. We can use the platform we've been given and speak out. And the, they've got to a point where the best way to do that is to stop playing because that will make people pay attention and make people start talking about this issue. You said before we got on the Boston Red Sox, right? When little Timmy somewhere in Boston gets on and tries to watch the Red Sox game and it's not on, he's going to have to ask his parents why aren't the Red Sox playing, and they're going to have to have a conversation about it. That's the entire point of this.
1: Right. Yeah. No. That's absolutely perfect, and and it is. It's about forcing this conversation. Um. On the other side of the fence, I do see maybe some people that want them to be even more extreme. Um. I don't know. Like, I guess what people are are, are expecting of of them besides like sacrificing their paychecks um, sacrificing potentially their good names. If we look at the example of Colin Kaepernick and while he is now slowly, it's been a couple of years becoming a hero rather than a, a villain, at least in the, he was always a hero to, to us. I mean, we did, the, did, yes, amazing. But regardless he did, he sacrificed quite a bit. I mean, the Nike commercial wasn't wrong, even though they profited God bless capitalism and right. anyway, but like, that's fine. That was still a sacrifice. And, and, they didn't know, like the Bucs didn't know what was going to happen. They they actually were agreeing just to forfeit that specific game. Yeah, too. as far as well, the Bucs knew, like, yeah. their
0: season was over. They gave up a potential championship right. to make this statement. So let's not downplay it of like, well, they probably knew it'd just be this game and then everyone would come back together and they'd continue the playoffs. When they made the decision, they had no idea what was going to happen.
1: They hadn't talked to the uh, NBAPA, the Players Association. They hadn't talked to the commissioner. They hadn't even talked to the other teams. Like So that... This was something that they didn't know was going to transpire, and and again, I, I guess that's that's the question we have. The conversation is now moving forward, and here's the other thing that we have to keep in mind: like why protest in sports? Well, it, sports is a product, and nothing speaks to the American public more than mindless, uh, almost zombie-like uh, consumption of everything. Rah, 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 rah. This is all we do here. We are disgusting in that capacity, and Nick and I are, are part of it. But regardless. Um, if you can take away something that Americans like to put in their mouths or consume or whatever, that will kind of begin to force their hand. You're not going to be able to appeal to them most of the time through empathy. Uh, unfortunately, if we look at the climate, you're not going to be able to appeal to them through rationale and logic. <laughs> um, so what can you appeal to Americans with products, They're consumer products? Yep. And in this case, sports is a consumer product. And if you can take that consumer product, you'll at least get their ear. They may not like it, but I mean, seriously, like, and this is where we get to the next level. So what's the next level? It's gotta be the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like I love the NBA. I'm a basketball junkie, uh, but I am willing to acknowledge it's only the second biggest and it's a distant second to the NFL in its reach. Uh, baseball, I suppose, is America's pastime, but it's long since like lost the race to the other two. And and hockey, much respect. It's 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 a distant fourth. The NFL is the biggest one. And if you can take that, if you can take foosball, if you could take that football away from, again, the demographic, that's when conversations are really going to be had.
0: I think it's actually their this action has been amplified because of the pandemic, because everyone now is so hungry for entertainment, just some kind of something to stop thinking about what's going on. I mean, not not just the pandemic, but the current political climate also. Right. We need that distraction. So I think that this action of stopping playing is even more amplified in the current circumstances where like we're craving sports right now because we need something to distract us from what's going on. Well, you know?
1: And like I said, like the, the scope needs to be bigger as far as, again, a fan base. The NFL uh, fan base is um, of a different political ilk oftentimes than the NBA fan base. So I think it would actually make conversations even more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's also- I mean, let's be honest, necessary. right?
0: Like making you and I have this conversation or like the people that are subscribed to our right. podcast, like, okay, that's fine, but- What we really need, like you just said, is the people on the other side of the political spectrum being forced to have this conversation.
1: And the NFL has more people on that side of the political spectrum than the NBA does.
0: Because making those people force, like, confront what's going on Mm -hmm. is the only way that real change is going to happen.
1: Yeah, we're trying to be as PC as we can to describe the average NFL fan. Um, Right. But yeah, there is... uh, anyway yes there's a lot to be said about the nfl fan <laughs> um especially some of like a and like i don't
0: think about. that they're all like that but if we're looking at the demographics yeah. of nfl fans versus nba fans very clearly the nfl has more conservative and we're not even talking or, like racial demographic we're yeah. talking about like political persuasions yeah, yeah
1: political persuasion usually like level of education uh, whatever okay. i mean
0: let's compare kaepernick's action compared to the box. right all kaepernick did was kneel for the anthem he still was there he still was a player the players still right. played the NBA players are saying, we're not even going to play. That's much more of extreme action. But Kaepernick got so much more flack. And I mean, his career, it was career ending
1: right yeah. it is career ending so um but like again he's he's becoming like now a, a he well he's always been a hero but he's being more accepted now even by like i guess the mainstream as like this heroic again lightning rod that did sacrifice a great deal it like i mean he sacrificed his career uh which uh, many people aren't necessarily willing to sacrifice and their careers are not nearly as lucrative well, as a like professional quarterback um, people
0: even then give him like, well, he still got the Nike contract. He still is like incredibly wealthy, but like people don't understand like the significance of playing football for a lifetime football player. Like he cannot do that anymore. He was, he was prevented from doing that.
1: Right. Yeah, I I do. I do. It is is time for the NFL to take the next step. You also made an interesting comment, um, in passing that I want you to kind of like allow our viewers some insight into. You said something about, uh, I, I recall via text, I'm not supposed to share a private text, but whatever. Um, no one ever asked like Tom Brady, what it's like to be white yeah. or something. We were like talking, that. Yeah, like, we were texting
0: back and forth on like what the latest was and stuff. And I saw this interview by Charles Barkley. Um, so you can believe whatever you want about Charles Barkley. And I kind of go back and forth myself, but he did a really good interview with Wolf Blitzer on CNN. And they sit down and the first question that Wolf asked him was, Can you tell me what's going on in the black community right now? And Barkley, like his answer was perfect because he said, it's exhausting being black right now. Like I am just absolutely exhausted because it's not just the racism that we're forced to deal with for our entire lives and like everything that's going on and this trauma that we're experiencing. But also I am asked constantly because of who I am to answer for the black community and to tell people what's going on in the black community. And you have never once asked Tom Brady what's going on in the white community. So there's Mm -hmm. this hypocrisy there where like one man, Charles Barkley in this case, is supposed to answer for the black community and sort of tell white people what's going on in the black community and like what black people feel. But white people are never asked like, no one comes up to you and is like, Jared, what's going on in the white community? That, like, that's not a thing. No one his specific example was Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady doesn't go for an interview and someone on the news is like, Tom, please tell us what like the sentiment of whites is right now in America. Like, that's not a thing, and it's so hypocritical that we pick we like we do this, but like that the news, the media, et cetera, picks people that they think somehow represent one person can represent and adequately sort of convey what's going on in an entire race of people in one country and it's impossible and just ridiculous. And it has to stop. Yeah. It's nonsense.
1: Okay. Moving on to the next topic, where, where, as we kind of move forward here, labor, like, and, and this is where Nick's really going to kind of shine this idea of labor. So there is debate. New York times even, even came out with an article about it today. We were looking for one yesterday, but regardless, they came out with one. Um, Some people are calling what's going on in the NBA uh, a boycott. Um, Nick and I, being a little bit more radical, want to just call it what it is. We see it as a strike. But then I think all people, what Nick has discovered, um, and he's the sociologist here, is that all of these terms are probably actually incorrect for what's transpiring. What is this? What is this work stoppage, for lack (laughs) of a better term?
0: So. We have been talking about the past few days, how the media refuses basically to call it a strike. Overwhelmingly, they're calling it a boycott, Mm -hmm. which I think has very specific discursive intent, right? Like they're meaning to frame this in a very specific way by not using the term strike. But first, let's talk about the difference between the three, and then we'll come back to why they don't call it a strike or why they probably don't want to call it a strike. So a boycott. In fact, I'll just read. I wrote down definitions here so we can have something to go from uh, for all of us. So this comes from the Oxford English Dictionary. A boycott is withdrawal from social or commercial interaction or cooperation with a group, nation, person, etc. Intended as a protest or punishment. So I ask you, if this was a boycott, the players would have removed their social or commercial interaction with some group or organization. Have they done that? No, Like that hasn't happened. They're not happened. playing the games, but exactly. they are
1: still associated with the NBA.
0: Exactly. And yeah. so uh, this is like, they're framing it as if it's like the players versus the NBA, which absolutely is not the no. case. No, it's not. It was different when the Clippers decided not to play in, I don't remember, when was that, 2015, 16, 17? I don't know, whatever. When their racist owner, Donald Sterling, made his comments and they were in the middle of the playoff run and they decided not to play in that game, they were making a statement to the mm-hmm. NBA in that case. Right. The Milwaukee Bucks aren't making a statement to the NBA. They're making a statement to the general public is what I believe. Right. Um, it's not about the players versus the NBA in this case. So I really don't think that this can adequately be called a boycott. They're not like boycotting anything. It's not like they're not buying goods or something like that's not really an adequate way, the best way to describe this. So let's talk about a strike. This also comes from the Oxford English Dictionary. It says, a concerted secession of work on the part of a body of workers for the purposes of obtaining some concession from the employer or employers. Wikipedia also has a pretty good definition. They say, a work stoppage caused by the mass refusal of employees to work. So, according to the second definition, this could qualify as a strike because they have stopped working. That's what they're doing is removing their labor uh, from this equation. However, According to the Oxford English Dictionary definition, a strike has to require some demand from the employer. So if you strike, you stop working because you demand uh, higher wages or safe work conditions or like whatever, which is traditionally throughout history of labor movements have been the case. That's a strike. That's not that's clearly not the case either. They're not demanding anything from the NBA. Again, it's not the players versus the NBA in this case. It's the players making a statement to the general public that essentially you need to be paying attention to this and we will use our platform to make that happen. Then I just have one more term so that people are aware. Uh, Some people have referred to this as a wildcat strike. So a wildcat strike... Is a strike taken by unionized workers without union leadership's authorization, support, or approval? So, if you're the member of a union and you go on strike without approval of your union, that would be a wildcat strike. If this was a strike, it would be a wildcat strike because Because the union hasn't—the players' union did not approve like this action. Did yeah? But it's not a strike in the first place, so it can't be a wildcat strike. So, what is this? This, to me, is just an action of protest. It's a statement. That's what it is. It's a public statement that the NBA players are saying this issue is important and the general public needs to pay attention. And we are going to use our platform like we've talked about. The one thing that we can do, because clearly like our charitable work, the things that we've been doing, clearly playing basketball is not changing anything. Mm -hmm. So let's stop playing basketball. Let's stop the thing that we love, the entertainment function that we provide the American public, I guess national global public. To some extent, we're going to stop. It's that. not to some extent. Like, yeah. The
1: NBA is now, it's the second biggest league in the world. It's the second biggest in the United States, the NFL. Obviously, it's the second biggest sport in the world, but that's not to the NFL. That's to, of course, real yeah. foot, real football. Yeah. yeah.
0: No one in the rest of the world cares about American football. But, right, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's not a boycott. It's not a strike, and it's not a Wildcat strike because it's not a strike. So, it's, it's a f- protest. That's right. what it is. It's an action of protest. Just like it is similar in that like definitionally to kaepernick 's action right. he wasn 't boycotting he wasn 't striking it was a protest he was protesting what, what same thing
1: and it is bringing attention to the issue like it has like you have to bring attention to the issue, especially for that cognitively dissonant, willfully ignorant um, side of the uh, political spectrum that 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 thirty to fifty percent of the country if if we want to believe like the the various polls need to be forced to face um, what other people have to face on the daily. They have to see it. They have to be able to to look at the images, the clear images of a 17-year-old white dude with an AR-15 shooting protesters— rationally, they have to be able to see it. I don't know that, that that's going to work. Um, countries feeling very divided on that, on, 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 topics like that, but regardless, the conversation needs to be had and people need to be faced with the uncomfortable truths. Um, once they're faced with those uncomfortable truths, how they react, well, that's going to be on them. And the NBA players like the Bucks, I don't believe are, are, are really aware of what the ramifications could be of that. But regardless, well, plus that's not
0: their responsibility, right? That's not it's their not responsibility. their responsibility to guide the conversation like that's, that's not reasonable to ask them out about. And, people are, yeah. and
1: we see this throughout the media, um, a specific media source in particular, um, willingly taking kind of sides on this, uh, the police, uh, the police in Wisconsin and national police sources all taking a, a side on this. And, and that side is very clear. It's a side that lacks, uh, any sort of empathy, it's a, 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 In my personal opinion, now I won't speak for Nick, it is a side that is morally bankrupt and it is a side that is ethically inconsistent um, and laced with hypocrisy. Now, that's fine if you were willing to stand behind those things. At least now the NBA players or other fans or other family members or community members or whoever they have to interact with now know that about those people. So at that point, it's on them to choose what they do with this action. Do you continue to engage and try and um, help these people understand what it's like to be, uh, to live this experience? Or do you let them go and 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 deal with the fact that the world is progressing with or without them? And that these childlike tantrums that the white nationalist community is throwing, uh, they, yeah, it's a dying breed.
0: I mean, there's also something like any said. animal backed in a corner. This is them backed in a corner at this yep. point. It also makes it impossible for people to, like, completely ignore the issue, right? Right. Like, it's absolutely impossible for someone to be like, oh, I had no idea that that was even going on. Like, li- like, have you been working in a cave for the past 20 years? I, like, I don't understand. Like, the NBA didn't happen the other day. Right. All of these sports leagues, like, they had games that did not happen. So that sparks a conversation. And that, I mean, that's all we can expect from the NBA players in this capacity is – They took their labor power. They decided collectively, starting with the Milwaukee Bucks players, that they were not going to play their game that night. And that sparked conversation. I mean, no better example than we are having this conversation right now. And it's everywhere in every media outlet.
1: Right. And and again, history, we've gone through it. It it works. I mean, Kaepernick being the most recent example. Jesse Owens being one of the older examples. Jackie Robinson, Tommy Smith, all in between. Uh, Martina Navratilova, I can never pronounce it correctly. Got to give her a shout out. Mm -hmm. But anyway, like like this is something that 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 needed to happen and i think it's actually again important that the conversation continues so like why like why does this matter well we're that, that's what we're talking about right now where does this go from here for these leagues we don't know it's not on us to prescribe their actions mm-hmm. But like, what do you think the aim might be? Like, what's the goal if you're an NBA player? Or again, we are really crossing our fingers, even though neither of us are really football fans anymore. I'm a reformed person. I had to give up that and and everything it stood for. So uh, sorry, NFL fans, but whatever. I had to give that up. But anyway, what are we hoping for uh, as we go forward here? I mean, I think we're
0: hoping that the players and the leagues themselves can be become sort of leaders in this conversation and examples of inclusion and equity and making social change, standing for social change, standing for the things that are right in, in our country. What that looks like specifically, I mean, that's like you said, not up for us to decide. It's got to be a collaboration between the players and the leagues and the owners and so on of what that means for them. And the players, I think, really have to lead the charge in this case, because as we know, there's a huge lack of uh, coaches and owners of color in every league that exists. So the players are going to have to use their labor power to make this happen, which brings me actually to another point on labor. I want to use this as an example to demonstrate sort of class stratification in the United States, because we fall into very oftentimes like lower, middle, upper class, and then it's like middle, upper class and upper middle class. And I want to use this as an opportunity to inject a little bit of Marxist theory here and talk about the difference between the proletariat and the bourgeoisie, to use Marx's terms, and their relationship to labor and the means of production. So the means of production mean they are, I mean, in Marxist times, it was like the factories, etc. Uh, So we have your proletariat or bourgeoisie based on your relationship to labor and to the means of production. If you can buy someone else's labor, you are bourgeoisie in theory. We're going to use this like very simple sort of dichotomy here. I want to stress the importance that NBA players in this capacity are proletariat, just like you and I and everyone else. That uh, doesn't have enough wealth or resources to make use of someone else's labor to profit from. If you profit from someone else's labor, you are bourgeoisie. The NBA players in their capacity as players, I mean, all professional athletes in their capacity as professional athletes are proletariat. They're in the same class as you and I. So the power that they have is to use their labor to try to make change in society. And withholding that labor is an incredible massive action, especially if you can do it on a significant scale. Which is why, leading us back to this boycott strike, wildcat strike, why I believe that the media is absolutely at all costs avoiding using the term strike. Excuse me. The term strike. Because they don't want employees, laborers, getting any ideas. We live in a time in America, and this was not always the case. If you look back to the end of the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th, laborers were much, much more organized. In the days of Eugene Debs and so on, when socialism was much more common in the United States, unions were everywhere. I mean, high, high percentages of people in all different professions were unionized, and they realized the power of their collective labor. Yes. And they utilized that frequently to create better working conditions for workers themselves. So the NBA players... I mean, I, I argue that they really realized this for the first time, probably this new generation of players with the Donald Sterling thing, Mm -hmm. realize that together, if they got together, they had power and numbers and they could force the league's hand to make changes. Now they can force public conversations by using their labor together by saying, Hey, let's all get together and let's withhold our labor from the American public Mm -hmm. to force them to have a conversation. It's no longer from the NBA. It's from the public in general. Let's, let's. Let's use our labor, collective labor power together, remove that from the American public. We'll withhold that to force them to have a conversation. So by calling it a boycott, all of the media is framing this as something other than a strike.
1: Because strikes work. It's that simple they're scared of strikes because strikes work. And that's why I keep kind of going to this. Okay. We need to take it from the NBA to the NFL, just because the NFL is bigger. And so that strike a strike in that capacity or a withholding of labor or a protest on that level would affect more people. I mean, it's, it's not, it, it, yeah, that, like I said, I think basketball is the superior sport, but, um, but no, because of the popularity issue and the different demographic lines of the fan base and political persuasion of the fan base, it would affect more people and likely cause change. Uh, NFL players should also strike for a different reason. They are the most exploited of all of the athletes by a wide margin. A, their bodies are the most on the line, um, and we already know how the NFL treated them um, and the concussion issue for the longest time. And then B, they're the only of the major four that don't have guaranteed contracts. So they're, they're the most at risk of getting hurt, and but they're also the most susceptible to uh, having to sell insurance uh, the minute they like retire or get yeah. injured or whatever. I guess just have- for our
0: listeners that don't know about sports,
1: There's no guaranteed contracts in the NFL. If
0: you're in the NBA and you break your leg and you can't play, they have to pay out your contract. If you're in the NFL and you break your leg and you can't play, they can cut you from the roster at any time and you get $0. Yeah. Like you're done. That's
1: that's a whole different issue that we don't want to make this like this. this Although that leads into my other point about strikes
0: and boycotts. I read an article by a legal expert that says that the NFL Players Union has written into their collective bargaining agreement with the NBA a no-strike clause, which means that when they were negotiating with the NBA – their bargaining rights and so on, they agreed that they would not go on strike. So this person was suggesting that legally the players aren't calling it a strike because if they do, they would be in violation of their collective bargaining agreement. So we have to talk about unions in general and how even the NBA players who are much better organized and much wealthier than most laborers still had to concede their right to strike to the NBA Mm -hmm. in order to get whatever demands they were negotiating at the time when the uh, collective bargaining agreement was uh, entered into, which is very, very interesting. But like I said, we've come a long way in America where the rights of workers have just been systematically stripped over time, over about the past century, and collective labor rights and so on mm-hmm. b- basically don't even exist anymore. Right. So we're in this interesting time where NBA players are getting together and saying, we're no longer going to work. We're not going to call it a strike. It's not a boycott. What do we call it? I mean, in this case, it's an act of protest and that's what it is to spark a conversation.
1: Yeah. But like I said, this conversation needs to be had both on like the racial issue um, on the labor issue. There's there's just so much wound up in here. And again, there's no such thing as an apolitical action. So yes, crossing uh, both Nick and myself, myself, uh, our disciplines with sports or athletes then crossing into our disciplines absolutely the way it should be because there's, there's nothing that just stands alone. Everything intersects. Um, okay. So what else do we have to say regarding the NBA and the NFL? I think we're, or, or MLB or NHL. Yeah.
0: It's going to be exciting to see over the next couple of weeks, how this plays out. If there's any long lasting ramifications, both in like the national discourse and with the players themselves and the, how the playoffs are going and so on uh, to see how this plays out and what the long-term lasting impacts are of this, brave action taken by the NBA players, I think.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So I guess- If uh, you like that, subscribe to our
0: YouTube channel. You can find us on revolutionandideology.com. Find us on Facebook as well. Uh, We're also on Twitter at Rev and Ideology, but most of our content is on YouTube. Uh, You can also, you'll find this and all of our stuff on uh, any podcasting app that you listen to podcasts on. We upload everything there as well. So that's it. I'm Nick. Jared. Later.